Zechariah chapter 3, and tonight we're going to read several verses, verses 1 through 5, but we'll focus on verses 1 and 2. Zechariah chapter 3, starting with verse 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. And it says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Mm. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with a change of garment. And, he sa- and I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. And they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And tonight, as a title for this message, I want to use the words at the bottom of verse 2. Where the Lord said, is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? A brand plucked out of the fire. You may not realize it tonight, but you are a a brand plucked out of the fire. Hallelujah. A brand plucked from the fire. uh, Doomed, uh, uh, destined for destruction. But the Lord reached down his hand and plucked us up out of the fire. A brand plucked out of the fire. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm thankful that, Lord, every single one of us tonight have been redeemed. Those that know you, Lord Jesus, here, and those that know you, listening by the radio and watching on the internet, Lord, we have been redeemed by your precious blood. And Lord, you have plucked us from that fire. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would speak. And Lord, you would bless your people, feed your sheep. I pray, Lord Jesus. God, we just give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In this passage that we've read tonight, the Lord gave to the prophet Zechariah, whom at this time was just a young man. He was anywhere between 20 and 30 years old when he started his prophetic ministry. And the Lord gave to Zechariah in this vision a vision or a, a, a glimpse behind the scenes He showed him the spiritual reality that was behind that which could be seen just in the natural. You follow that? Again, the Lord gave the prophet Zechariah a vision of that or the spiritual reality reality behind the seen world, behind the natural world, the material world. You see, because you and I and really all believers and all, all of us here tonight Uh, We are in our flesh. All we can see is that which is in the flesh. While we are in this body, all we can see that is in with our natural eyes, we can only see the natural world. We can only see in the material world that which is material. We We can't see with our eyes. We cannot see the spiritual realm. But there is a real spiritual world behind the natural world. Understand that tonight. There is a spiritual realm behind the natural realm. 
And in this vision here, the Lord just opened up to to Zechariah a picture of the spiritual reality that was behind Israel, that Israel was in. And as I begin this message tonight, as I'm praying for this message, the Lord laid it upon my heart for us to understand and for me to emphasize tonight that the spiritual world is real. And I know you know that tonight, at least to a certain degree, and we all know that to a certain degree. But life, as you know, life is more than just what we could see in the natural. There is a real spiritual realm behind this natural world. You see, natural things that happen in the natural, there are spiritual forces behind it. And here the Lord gave to the prophet Zechariah, again, a perfect picture of the spiritual reality that, that, that Israel was in. You see, we can see the visa bill. We can see the MasterCard bill. We can see the work responsibility that we have. We can behold the numbers, the abundance of numbers or the lack thereof. We can see and feel the effects of sickness in our body or in the body of somebody else. You see, we can see that. We can see that child that's in trouble and the distress that child is in. We can see the drugs or the effects of the drugs upon an individual. We can see that. We can see the popularity of a person, either the popularity or the lack thereof. We can see those things. But sometimes as believers, we have a tendency to live by what we see. Get that tonight. We have a tendency, again, to live and to react and to think all based upon what we see in the natural. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, we live by faith and not by sight. At least that is the way that we, are, we ought to live. There is a real spiritual world behind this natural world tonight. And many times there are things that happen in the natural, things that we can see, and we, we fail to realize that there is a spiritual force behind it. And tonight I'm not talking about a demon behind every bush. I'm not talking about that because many times when we have a cold, I say most of the time when we have a cold in our body, it's just simply a cold. It's not a demon of cold. It's not a spirit of cold. It's just a flat-out cold. We're in this world. But there are many times, I believe, there are things that happen in our life and we just view them casually as just something that's just happening in the world, something we're going through. But in reality, there's something spiritual behind it. Get to understand that tonight. Get that. There's something spiritual behind it. There's either God behind it or there is Satan behind it. There is either the power of God behind it or there is the power of evil behind it. 
There are spiritual events taking place right now that you and I cannot see in the natural. But they're happening right now. They're taking place right now as we speak. All of us have unsaved loved ones, right? Amen? I know my, my father is uh, on this earth is unsaved. He is a, uh, a Jehovah Witness, has been one for well, about 20 years. And I've been praying for that man for a long time. I said, I've been, I've been praying for him just for a long, and it see, when I say a long time, it really seems like a long time. You know, you, have you ever prayed for somebody for, just, it seems like forever? You're praying for them, and it seems like nothing ever happens? You see, there, are, there is something in the spirit, in the spiritual world that we cannot see that is taking place, again, in the unseen world. But as you pray, and I'm just using this as an example, when you pray for an unsaved loved one or an unsaved friend, understand this, that there are spiritual forces that are trying everything they can to try to stop that individual from being saved. There are unseen spiritual forces, even in the, even in the, even in the church, that are trying to stop believers from understanding the truth. There are spirits and devils of error and of false doctrine that are trying to stop the church from knowing the truth. Oh, we cannot see it in the natural, but in reality, it's more real than what we can see. I said it's more real than what we can see. Again, tonight I'm not promoting some kind of thinking of a demon behind every bush. Don't think that way. But again, the reality of it is this. There is a real spirit world that is, that is behind, this, behind the natural scene. And if God wanted to, if it was his will, he could just open our eyes and we would see things that would amaze us. Things happening in the spirit. You know, I believe that when we pray and when we pray for God to do things in other people's lives, I believe that we should pray sometimes that, 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 that certain spirits be broken, that certain bondages, certain walls in the spirit be torn down, be broken. Because God wants to move in people's lives. You know, sometimes we, there can be things even in our own life, things uh, that we don't, again, think of it as anything, really. Oh, it was just an argument with my wife or my husband. Oh, it was just a bad day. And I was, you know, wasn't thinking very well of people. Oh, I just had a rough week. And I just happened to be a little bit critical. Big deal, we might think. No, be careful. The Bible says that we are to be sober and to be vigilant, be, vigilant, be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see, the devil can take your bad day and turn it into a heart full of doubt. He can use that trial that God has placed in your life and twist it and use it to tempt you and use it to give you a critical spirit. Use it to give your heart, make your heart full of doubt 
in what God is doing in your life or in the lives of others. I don't know how many times I've seen it just in my life. I've seen it in the lives of others. I've seen it in my own life. God allows a trial in our life because God allows trials in every single one of us, right? He allows trials. He allows us to be tested. He allows us at times to drink the water of adversity and, the, and to eat the bread of affliction. He allows that in our life. But that test that, the, that God allows to strengthen our faith, the enemy of our soul will twist that and use it as a temptation to destroy our faith. Understand that tonight. That, that test, that difficult time, that, that bad day you had, that rough week that you had. You see, God allows that in your life to strengthen your faith, that you might look closer to him, look more to him, and that your, faith, that your faith might be strengthened. But the enemy of our soul will twist that thing to, for us to get critical, for, us to be, for our hearts to be full of doubt, to destroy the very faith that God is trying to build up. Again, Peter said that we ought to be sober, be vigilant, in other words, be spiritually alert. Open your eyes, church. Open your eyes, church. Because there are things taking place in the spirit meant for your destruction. And you're just taking them or accepting them as just a, oh, big deal. No. He said be sober, be vigilant because our adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We are to be sober. In this passage of scripture that we read tonight, again, the Lord gave to Zechariah here an open door, what it looked like in the spirit. What was taking place behind the scenes. You know, in this, in this passage, in, in the natural, Israel had, uh, they had returned uh, to Jerusalem, at least about 50,000 of them had returned to Jerusalem. They had been in captivity for about 70 years. God had given to Zechariah this vision in the year about 520 B.C. And about 18 years before this, God had allowed about, again, 50,000 of them to return to Jerusalem and to, and to rebuild the temple again. So they had been rebuilding the temple for about 18 years now. There was a time period in which they could not rebuild a temple because of opposition, and they had to stop. But at this time now, they were rebuilding the temple. 520 B.C., in the year 516 B.C., about four years after this vision, the temple would be finished, and it, was, it would be completed. And just that act alone was a miracle of the Lord. And every step of the way from the moment that God allowed the Jews to leave Babylonian captivity and to return to Jerusalem, from that very moment, the Jews, God's people, faced opposition. They faced it from the Samaritans. They faced it from the Persians. They faced it from the other heathen nations around them. Every step of the way. But every step of the way, as they faced opposition, God gave them victory, and at this point, they were four years away 
from God really performing a miracle, the, 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 the temple being rebuilt. But they faced the opposition again every step of the way. And here, in the Lord shows him that the enemy, Israel's real enemy, was not the Samaritans. The true enemy behind the scene was not the heathen nations. The real enemy was not the Persians. The real enemy was Satan. You get that? The real enemy of Israel was Satan, the adversary. Instead of, and it says in verse 1 that here he saw Joshua, who Joshua here is a type of Israel, standing before the angel of the Lord, who the angel of the Lord at this, at this, in this vision was very likely a, 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 a type or a, was the pre-incarnate Christ. And it says that Satan was standing right beside him at his right side, at Joshua's right side, to resist him, to oppose him. You know, again, we must be very careful. We must be very, very careful that we never lose sight of the the simple fact and the simple truth that there is a real enemy of our soul, that there is a real enemy Uh, one who opposes the, uh, the true body of Christ, that there is one who really opposes us as individuals. Understand this tonight. The enemy of our soul is a real enemy. And he will use anything he possibly can to destroy your faith. I said he'll use anything he can to destroy your faith. He'll use an argument with your wife or your husband. Oh, not me, not us. We're too big for that. No, you're not. He'll use, uh, man, he'll use a, a cute little secretary. Oh, you don't mind if I'm real. He'll use a cute little secretary. You married men or you single men, he'll use a cute little secretary to bring in a seed of sin in your heart and life. Oh, no, oh, no, not me. Oh, not me. I go to family worship center. Oh, no, no, no. That's for somebody else, not me. Oh, that could never happen to me. Baloney. Oh, yes, it can. He'll use what you watch on television. Oh, you just happen to be flipping through the channels. And you just happen to, be, to catch a program, and you just wanted to, you know, for a few moments, learn more about it. And a second turned into three minutes, and three minutes turned into a half an hour. Satan will use anything he possibly can to destroy your faith. Be aware of that. Be aware of that. Paul would also say, He said, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, or at least we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Our eyes should be open to the fact that the enemy of our soul will use anything he possibly can to destroy us. Anything. And the world that we're living in, it seems like he's got more weapons than ever before. Be sober. 
Have you let your spiritual eyes be open? Don't you have your eyes closed? Because you close your eyes and watch out. As they say, you snooze, you lose. You let your spiritual eyes be closed for a while. And you become apathetic spiritually. Get your eyes off of Christ. And watch out. You know, Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. Why don't you turn to your Bibles, if you would, real quick. Would Colossians chapter 3. Keep you a mark here in Zechariah. But Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, when you have it, say amen. It's good that you have your Bibles here tonight. Everybody the Lord says sometimes, when you come to church, bring your brain and bring your Bible. <laughs> All right, that went over well. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, that said, Paul says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. If ye then be risen with Christ, what does he say? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth in the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. We should be more alert of spiritual things than we are of worldly things. Uh Uh-oh. I said we should be more attentive to spiritual things than we should be of worldly things. The here and now, the give it to me now, the gimme's, the eye problems. I said we should be more spiritually alert and spiritually inclined to spiritual things than we are to worldly things. All right, let's move on. Go back, go back to Zechariah chapter three. In this, again, in this vision that, we, that, that Zechariah, the Lord gave to Zechariah here, we see several things in this vision. Several points I want to bring out, especially in verse 2. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Now we see, first of all, in this verse here, We see, first of all, that the Lord is on our side. Again, Israel here being being, uh, symbolized by Joshua the high priest, Israel is God's people. And you and I, even though we are not material or natural Jews, you and I, if you know Jesus and Jesus knows you, you're a child of God. Hallelujah. And the Lord is on your side. I said the Lord is on your side. Yes, you've got a real enemy. And you've got one that is, that is the one that opposes you, the enemy of your soul. But, and a big but, the Lord is on our side. Hallelujah. The Lord's on our side. He's watching our back. He's for us. Even the, word, even the word Lord here, Jehovah, it speaks of it is, or it is God's covenant name with his people. God's in covenant, to, covenant with us tonight. You and I need to understand tonight that the Lord is on our side. And as Paul said in Romans uh, chapter 8, if God be for us, then who can be against us? 
Oh, you've been attacked this week and you've, or maybe you've been attacked recently. You felt that spiritual oppression. You felt the enemy coming against you and attacking your finances, attacking your body, attacking your family. Understand this tonight, the Lord is on your side. And he's not running. He's not afraid. Actually, the Bible calls the Lord, the Lord calls himself a jealous God. He calls him the mighty warrior. Hallelujah. He is the God that fights for us. He, he said to Jehoshaphat, he said, I'm the Lord who fights for you. The Lord is on our side tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's on our side. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to worry about. Why? Because the Lord's on our side. Oh, but you don't understand. You don't understand the problem. It doesn't matter what the problem is. The Lord's on our side. The Lord is with you. Hallelujah. Well, I ain't perfect. Neither was Israel. Israel in this vision was clothed with filthy garments. That's far from perfect. You and I tonight have our problems, we have our issues, and it doesn't matter what those issues are. God loves imperfect vessels. Oh, thank the Lord. God loves imperfect people. He loves weak people. Thank you, Lord. He loves people who have problems. And he's on our side tonight. He's not waiting for you to get perfect for him to be on your side. He's with you tonight. Hallelujah. Well, I ain't a preacher. I don't come to church all the time. Call upon the Lord. The Bible says, and he shall come to your rescue. Hallelujah. The Lord's on our side. Oh, thank the Lord. The Lord is with us. So we see, first of all, the Lord, God, is on our side. This is bad English, but... We ain't got nothing to worry about. Hallelujah. Because God is with us. Praise the Lord. Some of you came in here tonight worried and, and, and you had some things just weighing on your shoulder. Just put it aside tonight. Throw off that baggage. The Lord's with you. Secondly, in this verse, we see that the Lord is more powerful than Satan. The Lord is more powerful than Satan. You know, it doesn't matter how powerful the enemy may be. Our God whom we serve is more powerful. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how strong that bondage may be upon a, 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 a relative or a, or a friend that's not saved. It doesn't matter. The God whom we serve and his power is more powerful. Hallelujah. Where, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Hallelujah. Oh, you may have an unsaved relative, and, and you may think in your heart, man, that rascal's never going to get saved. He's so deep, even God can't reach him. Oh, some have said that about you. Some said that about you tonight. He's so deep, even God can't reach him. Well, that's a lie because you're here tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord whom we serve is more powerful than the, than the enemy. You know, I think sometimes that we just need to let the devil know that he's a defeated foe. Hallelujah. 
Devil, you're defeated. And oh, yeah, you may seem and you may be acting like you're all strong and everything, but our God whom I serve is more powerful than you. The Lord whom we serve is more powerful than our enemy. Thirdly, we see in this second verse, we see that the Lord is in control. The Lord is in control. He said, the Lord said, Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I like that. He said, Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. And the word rebuke here in the Hebrew, it means to, to speak harshly or to address someone harshly. It also means to correct someone. It also means to set one's wrong thinking straight. In other words, I'm going to tell you the way it really is. Hear that tonight? It said, the Lord, the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuked thee. And understand this, whomever the Lord rebukes, they're buked. <laughs> the Lord says, Satan, I rebuke you in my own name. Satan has no choice but to go. Hallelujah. And James said, James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We have power in the name of Jesus to resist the devil, to tell him the way it is. I remember several years ago, uh, living in the dorms, and, and uh, I was single, single man living in the dorms, and, and, and uh, thank the Lord, the Lord's moved me forward from that. And that's uh, a wonderful place, and, and uh, praise the Lord. But... Um, But uh, it's been several years since then. And, but I remember one time, and I don't, you know, I don't even remember the trial. I don't, even, I don't even remember the circumstance. But I do remember how the Lord ministered to me in that circumstance. You know, isn't it amazing how we can be in one more trial, one more mess, and the Lord right in that mess will minister to us, will speak a word into our heart, that will just set us free and will give us joy right in the midst of our trial. And years down the road, we'll forget everything that trial was about. But we will remember how the Lord ministered to us. I remember one time again, I don't even remember what the trial was, but I remember how the Lord ministered to me. And for a certain, for maybe a, a few days, a week, I could, just, I could just sense it in my heart, that discouragement and that that just that seed of discouragement and, and, and doubt and criticalness. And all, and sometimes the devil can, and the enemy will use things to try to plant into our heart. And I could feel that. And it was getting me down, getting me discouraged. You ever been there before? I know you have. All of us, if you're human and you love the Lord, you've been there before. But I remember one time in that, in, right in the heat of that, the Lord just spoke a word to my spirit. And, he's, and the word is very simple. He just said, I am able. <laughs> I am able. In the natural, it didn't look like that. In the natural, it seemed as if 
uh, I, I, I was rebuking the devil, but the devil wasn't buking. And I was doing it. It didn't seem like he was going anywhere. But then one fine day, the Lord said, I am able. I am able. And I was able to stand upon that word. And it was just that, this, this was just my unique situation. For the next half an hour, I just, I just felt it in my spirit. I just kept on saying it over and over again. I told the Lord, he's able. I told my wall, he's able. I told the sink, he's able. Hallelujah. I told myself, he's able. And I told the devil, God's able. Hallelujah. The Lord is in control. The Lord tonight is in control. Get that in your spirit tonight. Satan is not in control. Oh, it may seem like that sometimes. It may seem like the enemy is in control. And it's a true statement that that, that Satan is on a leash. God has our adversary on a leash. Sometimes that leash can seem mighty long. But even though sometimes God will allow us to be within the parameters that our enemy can cause and wreak havoc, God is still in control. Don't ever accept the lie that God is not in control. Don't ever accept the lie that God is not looking, that God's not aware of the problem. Don't ever accept that lie. That's the lie of the enemy. God, the, the God whom you serve and the God whom you love, the God whom you trust, he's in control. Hallelujah. Oh, and I know things happen sometimes that don't make sense. Things happen sometimes that will cause turmoil and distress in our lives. And sometimes we can lose things that we don't want to lose. And we can gain things we don't want to gain. But God is in control. Hallelujah. God is in control. He said, Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. Satan, the Lord, rebuke thee. In other words, Satan, shut your mouth. Let me tell you, Satan, the way it really is. And I believe sometimes we can tell our adversary, let me set your thinking thinking straight. You're a defeated foe. You were defeated at Calvary. Hallelujah. And you may be warring against my soul, but the Lord is going to bring me out. Hallelujah. I'm not, going, I'm not going under through Christ and what he did for me at Calvary. I'm going on over. Hallelujah. And devil, you're defeated. Praise the Lord. We can be confident in Christ. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. Fourthly, we see that the Lord has chosen us. The Lord has chosen us. He said in verse 2, he said, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Understand this tonight, that you and I and every 
person that knows Jesus and Jesus knows them. They are a child of God. You tonight are chosen of the Lord. You know, the word chosen here, it, it, it implies a picture of an individual going to a market and inspecting the fruit, inspecting the meat, inspecting that which is at that market. And we've all done it before. We go to Walmart, we go to some other uh, produce stand, and, or at least women have, and some, some guys do. Yesterday I was at, a, I was at a, a vegetable produce market thing and I was looking for a nice, ripe, a nice, good, firm tomato. And my wife told me, she sent me, and she said, make sure it's ripe, make sure it's firm, make sure it's not rotten. And I looked and looked and looked and looked. I mean, I, I went to the very bottom. And it, just not, it, it must not be seasoned for good tomatoes, apparently. Because I looked and looked and looked, and I could not find, the, I could not find really one that, that fit my wife's description. You're going to see a nice, juicy red tomato. Pick that one. I didn't find one. But I found the best I could. The picture, the, 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 the picture behind this word chosen is really very much like that. It's like somebody going to a market and picking the best they can find. Picking the best. Now, God, in, in the spiritual realm, it's not like God is going around picking some people and leaving out others. Don't get that picture in your mind. But in the same time, God views us individually as something precious to him. Hallelujah. Just like we go to a, again, we were going to a market, we were to select something, and we, and we pick it up, we think, man, that's it. That is the tomato. God views us as something precious in his hands. Tonight, you are God's chosen. Hallelujah. God views you or you are his child and you are precious in his sight. You are God's possession. And he said, the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. Tonight you've been chosen by the Lord. If you know Christ and Christ is in your heart, you are God's child. And that is not some flippant thing or some haphazard, some passive thing we can, we can just pass on by. No, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. You're God's child tonight. If Christ is in your heart, you are God's child. Turn to Zechariah chapter 2, if you would. Chapter 2, verse 8. Just a chapter right before this. Chapter 2, verse 8. He said, for the Lord, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. In other words, if, if, if someone touches you, they're touching God. Hallelujah. He who touches you, get that tonight for you personally. You're a child of God. And when the enemy attacks you, it's touching the heart of God. He who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. Tonight, you are the apple of God's eye. 
That means that you are precious in God's sight. Hallelujah. It means that you have God's favor and you have God's protection. You tonight are the apple of God's eye. You, you're God's child. Praise the Lord. You're God's possession. I don't have much time left, but have you ever had somebody, you parents, have you ever had somebody treat your child, somebody you don't know, treat your child harshly? Somebody you don't know, just a stranger, pass by your child and maybe yell at your child or something? And all of a sudden, all you know, those parental thoughts start, well, start, start coming up. Who in the world is this person who just messed with my child? Who just touched my child? Who just spoke harshly to my child? Understand this. God feels the same way towards you and I. Don't mess with the, with, with the child of God. Be careful. The people that the enemy uses to oppose God's work, they better be careful. Because they that touch God's people and touch God's work are touching the Lord. We're God's children. We're God's possession. Finally tonight, verse 2 of chapter 3, the Lord said, Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? You know, a brand, or at least in the English when we think of a brand, we think of a, like a metal pole with an emblem or something on the end of it. That which the old cowboys used to use in the old wild, wild west. They'd put that thing in the fire, they'd put the brand in the fire, and they, they stamp the animal with the brand, right? That's what we normally think of in the natural or in, in, in the English. But you know, the word brand in the Hebrew it really does not mean that which we might think it is. The word brand actually means a piece of firewood. Whereas a real complicated meaning, just a piece of firewood. Is this not a piece of firewood plucked out of the fire? The Lord said this of Israel, that they are a piece of firewood that I plucked from the fire. Hallelujah. A piece of firewood is nothing special. But that's the point. These people that I plucked out of the fire, and the fire here speaks of the fire of destruction. It speaks of Satan's plan of destruction that he has against God's people. He said, these people are like a piece of firewood that I have plucked out of the fire of destruction, that I have taken out of Satan's plan of destruction, hellfire. The worm dieth not, eternal torment. I have taken these people out of that, and they are my own. A piece of firewood. You know, a piece of firewood is nothing special. When you look at that piece of firewood, it was designed to burn. Nothing special about it. 
It's not like people come by and, and walk by the firewood stack and say, wow, look at that beautiful firewood. It's just firewood. Plain firewood. Nothing pretty, nothing beautiful about it. It's got some dirt on it. It's been cut, it's been quartered, nothing special. It's just plain old firewood designed to be burned. Understand this tonight. The Lord said of God's people, they're like firewood that I have plucked from the fire. You know, when people view us, spiritually speaking, do you realize tonight that you and I are just firewood? that God's plucked from the fire, hallelujah. We were on our way to hell. It doesn't matter if you were born in a bubble or born in a bar. You were a piece of firewood, destined for destruction. Paul said, children of wrath, we were on our way to hell. Eternal torment separated from God forever and forever and forever and forever. That's what you were. That's what I was. Going to hell without Jesus Christ. A piece of firewood. Nothing special. But when God walked by, when Jesus walked by, Our life, when he walked by, he in a sense said, you know what? All it is is just a piece of firewood in the furnace burning. And I love that piece of firewood. And he plucked us up out of the fire. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, I may not be saying it well tonight. But I hope you're aware of one simple fact. The Lord Jesus Christ plucked you up out of a pit. You and I tonight deserve to be in hell. You and I tonight were just a piece of firewood. Again, whether you were born in a bubble or born in a bar, it doesn't matter. Without Jesus Christ, we would be in hell, destined for hellfire. But the Lord said, I have plucked them out of the fire. God has plucked us up out of the fire tonight. Understand that. Get that in your spirit. Bob Cornell was destined for hell. A piece of fire with nothing special. But the Lord reached down his hand and he plucked me out of that fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord did the same thing to you. It's nothing special about us. It's nothing special about that piece of wood. It's just firewood. But God tonight plucked you up out of that fire. Hallelujah. The next time you feel that that discouragement or that critical spirit start to rise up, recognize this one thing, that without Jesus Christ, you would be destined for hell. Tonight you are a piece of firewood that God has plucked up out of the fire. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. A piece of firewood God has plucked up out of the fire. When you see me here tonight, you're not looking at anything special. All you're looking at is a piece of firewood. Hallelujah. 
that God's plucked up out of the fire. When I look at you, I don't see anything special. All I see is a piece of firewood. God's plucked up out of the fire. He scraped off that, that, the, the, the burned edges. And now the Holy Spirit is carving something beautiful out of our life. Hallelujah. There's a song that says something beautiful, something new. All of my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. Again, if there's anything beautiful, if there is anything precious in our life, it's simply because God plucked us out of that fire of destruction. Hallelujah. You and I have a heaven that we can look forward to and not a devil's hell. We have eternal glory with Jesus Christ to look forward to, not eternal torment and eternal separation from God. God tonight has plucked us up out of the fire. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He has plucked us up out of the fire. Get that tonight. Let that sink deep into your spirit. You and I deserved hell. But as the song says, mercy rewrote my life. Hallelujah. John Lear over here, a Bible college student, was a former drug addict, former dealer, in prison when he was 19 years old. But the Lord Jesus Christ plucked him up out of the fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Bob Cornell, born in a Christian home, never did drugs, never went to the clubs. Subbed Christ when he was a young age. But without Jesus Christ, I was on my way to hell. The Lord plucked me out of the fire. And tonight, the Lord did the same thing with you. All we are is a piece of firewood that Jesus Christ has plucked out of the fire of destruction, plucked out of that, uh, that he's taken off that greasy pole to hell, hallelujah, and placed us on the right foundation. And the Holy Spirit is carving something beautiful out of us.